Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. My wife reads a devotional that from time to time she'll share with me. And she recently read this devotional, Daily Meditations, by a man called Roy Lesson. And here's what it said, a leader finds strength by realizing his weakness, authority by being under authority, direction by laying down his own plans, vision by seeing the needs of others, credibility by being an example, loyalty by expressing compassion, honor by being faithful, and greatness by being a servant. That's a great way to summarize the life that Jesus lived. Jesus came and he made serving others the normal, even though that was abnormal to those who were living in the first century. They, they, they scratch their heads. They go, we just simply don't get it, what you're doing. And then Jesus adds this in Matthew 23, verse number 12, pretty profound. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. What Jesus does in the next 20 verses is Jesus proceeds to humble the Pharisees. They had exalted themselves as God's picture of normal. They had said this, we are the image bearers of God. We are the standard bearers. And if you don't look like us, if you don't function like us, if you don't think like us, they exalted themselves to the frame that God had placed. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus said, listen, because you've exalted yourself, you are going to be humbled. But those who humble themselves and actually live their life like I have, what I have by what I have called normal, they're gonna be lifted up. They're gonna be exalted. But what Jesus does in the next 20 verses is astounding. He goes into a tirade of sorts and he actually verbally humbles the Pharisees for the way in which they had portrayed God. The the section in the scripture is actually called the seven woes. And it's actually very appropriate because the word woe is simply an impassioned expression of grief and deep and utter sadness and despair. What Jesus does in his language in the next 20 verses is astounding because other than the time that he turned the merchandise tables over in the temple, This is as close as we see Jesus ever coming to losing his cool. He had had enough. And he now is going to pronounce judgment. He now is going to pass along an indictment. He now is going to denounce everything that the Pharisees, and in case we just place them in the first century, he's talking to every one of us who are Pharisaical. He says, listen, here is what I think of the way that you live out what you called normal. And what he does is he paints with a broad brush stroke. He gives 10 colorful labels to the Pharisees. Every one of them intended to humble them. I want you to listen to some of the words he uses. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them blind men 
blind fools, blind guides, blind Pharisees. He calls them wicked. He calls them murderers. He says, you are snakes, you are brood of vipers. And here's the real zinger. This is a zinger. He says, you are children of hell. Wow. Wow. Jesus makes something very, very clear in this passage. And what he makes clear is this. What you have called normal is completely abnormal. The way in which you have lived out your faith and your life is not what God intended from the beginning. And so here's just one of the woes that Jesus issues. In verse number 23 of Matthew 23, he says, woe to you because you give a tenth of your spices. All those little spices you have, you're giving a tenth of them, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Where have we heard that before? Jesus here is simply repeating what he repeated in the Sermon on the Mount. He's repeating what Micah the prophet said. He's saying, listen, the things that really matter, yes, your giving and your generosity of your tithing to the work of, of God's kingdom, it is important, it matters. I'm not dis dismissing it or discounting it. I'm glad you do it. But while you're counting your pennies, you're letting injustice prevail. You're not living with mercy. And you're certainly not humble in the way that you're viewing what's happening in life and I want you to contrast what Jesus says to the Pharisees with how Isaiah the prophet responds when God reveals himself to Isaiah. Listen to Isaiah chapter six. What a contrast. Verse five, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Friends, listen, because the Pharisees didn't say, woe is me, God had to say to them, woe to you. Because they could not humble themselves and see that they were ruined without God, God said, listen, it's not gonna be pretty for you. It's not gonna be pretty. If we have any hopes of ever being restored back to the image that God had in the frame he created, we must first be like Isaiah and become ruined. Because until we become ruined internally, until we become ruined emotionally, until we become ruined in the way that we see ourselves like Isaiah did, we have no hopes of being restored to be the person that God intended, to be the image that God had in mind. And so let me take you back to the original question. What is the normal Christian life according to Jesus? And what did he have in mind when he came on this earth to say to the Pharisees, listen, you have represented and you are self-acclaimed portraits of God. What Jesus said is this, because you've misrepresented that portrait, I have come to rip it out and put in a whole new one. I have come to bring to you what you will call a new normal, but it actually is original. It's really what God had in mind from the beginning. And in Luke chapter five, what Jesus does is he actually brings to us 
three really powerful, pointed truths about this new normal that he was bringing. They are designed to provoke us. They are designed to prick our hearts, to cause us to wake up and recognize what it is God is doing in this land, in this world. Don't look now, friends, but but God is up to something new. This pandemic pause has caused me to say, there is something God is stirring, something God is doing that is so much bigger and more fundamental than what we can even imagine. When we talk about God doing more than we can imagine, more than we can dream, more than we can think of by the power that works within us, listen friends, that is part of imagine. It's what God is doing in our, in our world, in our hearts right now. And so in Luke 5, what Jesus does is he says this, because you've misrepresented normal, I'm gonna rip it out and I'll put, I'm gonna put a new normal in there and I'm gonna be the face, the portrait of the new normal. Luke chapter five, verse 36. Here's what he says. They're complaining about him as usual. And he says, he tells them a parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. The first thing you need to understand about this new normal is this. The new that God is doing will often contrast and conflict with the old. When God does a new thing, it will often contrast with the old. What Jesus does here is he says to the Pharisees, he says, listen, I did not come to patch up the brokenness of your religious systems. I've not come to simply do patchwork because if I do that, what will happen is the very little patch that I place in there is not gonna fit. It won't look the same. There's gonna be a problem with it. It actually has the tendency and potential of ripping it apart. And that's the way it is. Because listen, there are some things in life that need more than patching up. There are issues in this world that need more than just patchwork. They need new garments. They need brand new frameworks by which to think, by which to function, by which to operate. Let me speak for a moment to something that's very real happening in our world today, in our country that we see. There is in our society, I think a tearing again of the fabric of the ideologies upon which our country has functioned for many, many years. And what's happening in this this tearing of the fabric is that the threads of racial injustice and inequity are again being exposed, being revealed. We're seeing them for what they are. 
And those fabrics and those threads are simply not beautiful. I can tell you they're not what God intended. It is as though God is literally pricking the collective conscience of our nation, revealing the disparities and the inequities that exist among people of color and ethnic minorities, the way that they have been treated and many times the way in which they have been mistreated. And listen, in my lifetime, I was born in 65. I was born at the height of the civil rights movement. I remember none of it. But in my lifetime, I have never seen a reckoning like we're beginning to see take place right now in America. There's something being stirred in the very fabric and there is a a groundswell of people like I have never witnessed in my lifetime that are joining this chorus of voices saying, this is not right. Now listen, many of us would want to believe that what we're seeing today has become all too normal, but isn't, but, but, is, but, but is something that, that's kind of newer. The reality is it's not newer. This is old. This issue, these issues, these problems are not new. They are old. And they contrast with the new. I, I gave our, our leadership here at Grace Crossing Church Coming into this year in 2020, one of our big values here is oneness. I gave all of our staff and our board a a calendar from the Equal Justice Initiative called A History of Racial Injustice. A History of Racial Injustice. Every single day for 365 days, there are historical reflections on how racial injustice has happened and prevailed in our country. I just took last week's, August, just the last week, and I actually looked at what happened. From the 17th of August through the 23rd of August. Let me just, let me just share them with you. August the 17th, 1965, the year I was born, Riots in the Watts neighborhood of Los Angeles, California, sparked by white police beating of young black men, leave 34 dead, 1,032 injured, nearly 4,000 arrested, and $40 million in damage. August 18th, 1995, the NAACP protests the National Park Service decision, pressured by the sons of Confederate veterans and Senator Jesse Helms to remove covering from Faithful Slave Monument at Harpers Ferry, Virginia. August 19th, 2016, St. Anthony, Minnesota, police officer Geronimo Yanez returns to duty the week before the completion of the investigation into the fatal shooting of Philando Castile weeks earlier. August 20th, 1619, Dutch Dutch ship lands in Jamestown, Virginia, carrying the first enslaved people to what would become the United States. August 21st, 1831, Nat Turner leads 60 enslaved black people in Southampton, Virginia, rebellion that leaves 55 white people dead. Turner and dozens of other black participants are later executed. August 22nd, 1905, white people riot in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania after Charles Miller, a black man, enters a public restaurant. 
August 23rd, 1989, 1989, white mob in Bensonhurst, New York, murders black teenager Yusef Hawkins for visiting a white girl. Friends, this is grievous to God. This is grievous to God. This is grievous to our hearts. We that are absolutely committed to the frame of racial equity and justice that God calls for. Let me just say this this morning. If, if what we call normal is dehumanizing ethnic minorities, I don't want to go back to a place called normal. I have no desire to go to that place. I mean, just this past week, we saw Jacob Blake and the story that happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now listen, we don't know yet all of the details surrounding that shooting, and in some ways, we probably should suspend judgment until we know everything, but this much we do know. Jacob Blake is not a statistical outlier. In other words, he is not the exception. He is more the rule as it relates to what we have experienced in our country and the way ethnic minorities, especially African-Americans, have been treated and mistreated. Listen, until the Breonna Taylors can sleep peacefully, until the Ahmaud Arbery's can jog safely, and until the George Floyds can breathe freely, we are not living normal. That is abnormal. That is not what God ever intended. And it is not how God fights for every human being. There are two verses God spoke to me about in our journey early in Grace Crossing Church. One of them is found in Isaiah chapter 43. And here's what it says. Verse 19, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? God is on the move, God is doing something new, something radically new. The question for us this morning is, are we perceptive? Or are we sleepwalking, spiritually speaking? God never changes. But God is always changing things because God is always working. God is always on the move. And what God wants us to do is be perceptive enough to see the new thing God is doing. But here's the reality. That which is new will often contrast vividly from that which is old. Second thing about this new normal Jesus spoke to is this. A new normal will always require a new container. A new normal will always require a new container. Luke chapter five, verse number 37. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Let me just stop for a moment and say this. One of the most familiar and common motifs throughout the Bible for the Holy Spirit is wine. Because there's something special about what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, just like the process of fermenting wine, where it slowly transforms us and changes us into something completely different. And in those days in the first century, there were no convenience stores. There were no government 
state liquor stores where you could go buy wine or alcohol. Wine in those days was patiently and painstakingly fermented in containers. And the most common container that was used, sorry, PETA, the most common container that was ever used was discarded animal carcasses. And the process of making what was called a wineskin actually was a pretty painstaking process. It included the death of an animal. It included, it included emptying that animal of all of its interior content. It then included firing it, tanning its hide. Then it was filled eventually with the fruit of the vine. Then it set aside where it went through a process. It waited And there are several questions that I, I want us to ponder in God's presence this week. And here's one of them. Where is God inviting you in your journey of looking more like the portrait of Jesus? In other words, where is God inviting you into a becoming more of a fully surrendered, fully surrendered, heart ablaze Christ follower? Is God inviting you into dying? Is God inviting, inviting you into something being emptied out of you? Is he inviting you into some fire? Or things are maybe stirring and burning inside of you that you're contending with? Is he inviting you into more filling where you just wait patiently? Or are you in a waiting period? Where's God inviting you? Which brings us to one final, one final thing. And let me look at, at Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus said, old wine can't be put into old wineskins. It must be put in new. He says, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And then in verse 39, here's how Jesus concludes. No one, no one after drinking old wine wants the new. For they say, the old is better. Now this is pretty incredible because here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm bringing a new flavor of God to you. It's actually not new, it's old. But it's gonna taste new to you. And yet you're not gonna have a taste for it because you have a taste for a normal that looks nothing like God. What I'm bringing to you feels foreign to you. It isn't. It isn't foreign. It's actually as old as God is. But I'm bringing it to you and here's what's going to happen. And this is the final point that Jesus makes. The old will many times resist the new normal. Call it the old guard. Call it the old ideology. We talk about old time religion. That's what the Pharisees had. And what Jesus says is, listen, I want to bring something new. And yet because you can't see it, you're going to resist it. Not only that, you'll become critical of it. You'll become critical. And Jesus here is saying, when I begin to rip out this portrait and I place this new one in, many of you are going to say, I don't really like that portrait. The old's better. The way things used to be is, is better. We're satisfied with what was. Listen, friends, God is doing something new 
in our lives, in our world, in our country. God is up to something that is radically fresh and new and he's inviting us to be fully participating in what he is doing, following him with our whole hearts. Oh, it's scary. Oh, listen, it it can be disconcerting at times. It can take you to places that are gonna make you feel very uncomfortable. Can you imagine how the Pharisees felt when Jesus is speaking these parables? Everything inside of them are going, what is this guy thinking? Here was Jesus' really appeal, and I, I leave you with these two final questions that I want you to ponder prayerfully in the presence of God this week. Jesus was really saying to the Pharisees, I want you to be open, not closed to what I'm doing. So my question is, are you opened up to God or do you find yourself today closed off emotionally? Closed off spiritually? Closed off even religiously? Is there something in you that has a taste for the old and says, I like what, the way things used to be. I don't like things being disrupted. And Jesus is bringing a radical re- disruption. Am I open or am I closed off? And here's the final question I want you to ponder. Is how am I resisting? How am I resisting the movement of God in my heart, in my life? How's God coming to me? How am I resisting that today? There may have been some things I said this morning that may have triggered you, may have affected you, may be triggered by them. Listen, before you bring them to me, bring them to God. Take them to him. Hold them in his presence. Ask him. Ask him. God, what frame do you want me to be in? What frame of mind? What frame of heart? How do you want me to move into this? Because if we will do that with God, God will show us. God will lead us. God will guide us. Don't take my word for it, friends. Go to scripture. Go to scripture. Ask him. And God will reveal it. I'm going to invite those that are here and you're at home, welcome to join us as well. Would you stand, please? We're going to pray. We have one final song that I'm going to ask you to remain standing for because though we are limiting some of our ways of expressing worship right now, one thing we can do is we can give God our hearts. We can give God our hands. We can give God our bodies. We can say, Lord, I am yours and I want to be part of what you are doing new There's a new normal coming, friends. And I don't know about you, but I am all on board with what God is up to. I don't want to miss out on it. And I certainly don't want to be pharisaical and have Jesus look at me and say, why did you not drink what I was offering you? Let me pray. Would you just lift your hands if you're okay doing that as a sign of surrender to God, as a sign of open, this is an openness. This is a way of saying I'm open, God, to you. I'm not closed off. Father, I lift up our body to you today as we swim in the waters of the new things you are doing. We, Lord, believe that you are on the move in a very powerful, profound way. And we're we're not seeking out here and making it our goal, ambition to change the world or change God, even our country, our state, even our community, our neighborhood. We want to start with us. We want to start with us. Would you, God, transform us? Would you make us new? Would you, God, help our hearts to be bent 
toward the new thing you are doing. We, we believe there's a new normal, God, that you present in scripture. And my prayer is that you'll help each one of us to adjust and recalibrate our thinking, the way we do our, our life, the way we live out our faith, to be consistent with you. I pray all of these things in Christ's name and for the glory of God and for the betterment of our lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.